Hey guys, so this is going to be a solo episode as this is uh, very late at night and we have gotten kind of our schedule thrown off a little bit because this whole virus stupid fucking thing. So uh, Amanda's not going to be on this one. We're not. It's also not going to be a very long episode. I'm just going to hit on a few things real quick, kind of give you kind of a status update and then there is kind of a topic I want to talk about, but so with this whole Corona COVID-19, whatever, it's so fucking gay. Um, it's obviously thrown my work schedule into a, a, a tizzy, which has then sent the podcasting schedule into a tizzy. So we'll try our best to stay on schedule and put episodes out every Sunday, but just, you know, you kind of have to bear with us a little bit because there might be there might be times where we, we miss a day or miss a week, rather, and there might be times where we upload on the wrong day or I'm going to kind of pump them out whenever I can. I'd love to get in a situation where I can kind of just bank a few, but with the coronavirus, like, occupying the world, there's not really a whole lot of, like, uplifting, like, positive, like, kind of things to talk about, so it's only the coronavirus constantly. So I don't think banking episodes is really the best thing to do either because we're just going to have weeks worth of Corona filled information and we have no idea when this thing's going to die down or not, but just kind of bear with us. I mean, we're, we're trying our best, but I have to fly solo today. So, uh, the only thing I really want to talk about is, so like this weekend is if you, if you know, you guys are fans of the show, you guys have heard me talk about my, my fandom with wrestling in the past, how I haven't. It always holds a spot like near and dear to me, but it never, it's not something that I'm actively still like watching. I keep tabs on it. Like I know what's going on and I, uh, I've watched way more of AEW than I have of WWE in a very long time. So, um, point is this weekend is WrestleMania weekend and it blows my mind to me that this event is still taking place. So WrestleMania is the biggest event in the wrestling world. It is like the Super Bowl, it, like embodied. It, it, it occupies the whole town, but the, it, I would argue that it's bigger than the Super Bowl in terms of that it they're around for more than a day. So the WWE basically will pick a town or a city, whatever it is. The last couple have been uh, like Arlington, uh, Texas, the Cowboy Stadium, or like somewhere in California or New Orleans or Miami, Atlanta, or you know wherever, right? And they roll into town on like Wednesday, and they have like a Comic Con, like a fan access like convention that runs for a few days uh, leading into the weekend. And then so it's like Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is called fan access, or like I think they call it now it's WrestleMania access. And then the weekend is filled with wrestling shows. So like Saturday, the developmental program, uh, their developmental league, I guess you can call it, NXT holds uh, their big event of the year the Saturday before WrestleMania. WrestleMania takes place on a Sunday. So like that happens and then Sunday nights typically are WrestleMania. So it's a great like boost for the economy because you have people that some people fly in and spend all five days in town, which means that they're spending money in the economy, which means that they're staying at a hotel for five nights, which means they're eating out five nights a week. It's, it's like a great 
every town that has hosted WrestleMania has wanted WrestleMania to come back to that town because of such an impact it had on that city um, financially. So it blows my mind that this year they're holding WrestleMania still. It's still taking place, and they've upgraded from uh, arenas to stadiums. Like they're selling out suit, like football stadiums for a fucking wrestling show. It's the craziest shit. It's fireworks and there's live bands and it's, it's, it, I mean, it's, it's the premier version of their product. So all of this effort and all of this fandom and all of this money and all of this, like spotlight gets on WrestleMania during this time frame. And then like right now it's that time of year and this coronavirus has stopped it at least stop the attention part of it. The The thing that's interesting here is that the WWE held WrestleMania this weekend and they held it from like a private gym. Y- you, yeah, a private gym, like their personal gym, gym in Orlando. It's called the Performance Center. They held WrestleMania in their practice like arena. There's no nobody in attendance in front of an empty like crowd. Nobody watched, like nobody live was able to watch WrestleMania except for the people that were in WrestleMania, which is to me is completely mind blowing because there are a few professions that provide solely on the reaction of people and pro wrestling is one of them. I understand like you hear people's stories like Hulk Hogan or actually Hulk Hogan's a bad example, but a lot of people that are popular now you know talk about when they were coming up they would wrestle in front of five people and it wouldn't matter but the thing being is that they wouldn't wrestle in front of nobody like you the reason that it's so gratifying is because you know that you're providing this to somebody now granted it is being filmed and they know that people are watching it and it's not that nobody's going to watch it but you need that immediate when you do a big move or you do a cool spot you need you need that immediate like <gasps> Or, oh, shit. Like, you need the reaction. The same way a stand-up comedian needs laughs when he tells a punchline. Like, it would be the weirdest shit to see a stand-up comedian go up on stage right now and do a special in front of an empty fucking stage. It would be the weirdest thing. It would just be odd. And that's what's happening here. It's like, the rest, WWE is trying their best to remove kind of any sort of, like, they want to be the escape for everyone during this period. And I get that. I totally get their, their mentality and their logic on that. But like doing it in a closed set gym with no one in attendance to see these big, what are called WrestleMania moments, these big moments, like somebody who finally gets their title victory or somebody who finally beats the guy they could never beat or finally overcomes this big obstacle like the whole reason that that story is being told told is so that the crowd can react in a manner that is receptive to that so they can cheer when he beats the bad guy or they can cheer when she wins the title like that is the whole point in having a crowd and having people go crazy over this like that is that like the the term mania comes from the greek word meaning madness and i feel like right now WrestleMania is living up to the true version of its word where like this is wrestling madness that this is actually happening and not in a crazy fun way like in a insane way that 
they were persistent on pushing this product through in this time, like this time period. They should have just, in, I mean, in my opinion, you postpone the event. At this point, nobody's going already. Why hold an event in a gym in front of nobody when it's proven that it's a good moneymaker for everyone involved? Just wait, wait three or four months and then hold it in the middle of the summer. I know that throws off their scheduling a little bit, but I mean, they could have they could have easily swapped something else here. The, the reason I bring this up is so like WrestleMania 32, the one that was held in Dallas in the Cowboy Stadium, has the uh, largest indoor stadium uh, attendance record in, for any live event, any live event, including the Super Bowl. That event, WrestleMania 32, held 101,763 people. Over 100,000 people were crammed into a stadium to watch WrestleMania 32. Um, and this year, which is the 36th version of WrestleMania, is being held in front of zero fans. Like, I just cannot believe that that's happening. So, just to give you a little bit of backstory on what WrestleMania was kind of founded on was so back in the day there was wrestling territories there wasn't just the wwf or you know you turn on your television and you have wrestling available to you the way it worked was it it was based on where you lived and based on where you lived determined what version of wrestling you got what territory wrestling you got so if you lived in x area then you got the wwf if you lived in area y then you got smoky mountain wrestling or then you got you know jim crockett productions or you got this or that so they were all over the place and wrestle or wwe's biggest kind of competitor i guess is the best way to say it was jim crockett productions and they uh their promotion sorry and excuse me so Jim Crockett Promotions was their biggest competitor and they had an annual event that was called Starcade and it was th- like the payoff of all of their stories that were being told over the year. All their big stars would perform in that event. Um but Vince McMahon, the owner of the WWF at the time, did not have an equivalent to that. So his response to Starcade was WrestleMania. But he wanted to go bigger and he wanted to go better than Jim Crockett. Because at this point, Vince McMahon started buying up territories and was going nationwide. He was the first wrestling promoter to go nationwide, which means that you could turn on the television in any part of the country and you could see his product. But you couldn't live in California and watch Smoky Mountain Wrestling. So you had no idea who these guys were. The only people that you were aware of was Vince McMahon's pit product. And that's what he was trying to get at. So he wanted to go bigger and he wanted to go better than Jim Crockett and Starcade. So what he did was he started partnering, cost basically putting every penny he had into this, but he started doing deals with MTV. And MTV agreed to air two wrestling specials. One of them was uh, a match from a, a show called The Brawl to End It All, which was about a year before WrestleMania. And it was just one match that was live from Madison Square Garden. And it had uh, Cindy Lauper and it had uh, it was a it was a women's title match. So and then the other one was the war to settle the score. These are the most terrible names I've ever heard in my life. 
And they again dealt with Cindy Lauper. The whole point being that they were on MTV. Cindy Lauper was a big, big music star at the time, and she was a big wrestling fan. So they were able to get into MTV using Cindy Lauper as kind of the like the, the conduit there. So. <clears throat> WrestleMania basically was Vince McMahon's brainchild where he wanted to do a show that was in essence was the same thing as Starcade and as their competitors payoff event, but he wanted it to be bigger and grander and he wanted it to be the, like the big granddaddy show type thing. So not only did he try to put on the biggest wrestling match that he could, he also wanted there to be people like Muhammad Ali or Liberace or Snoop Dogg or Mr. T like he wanted whoever the big stars were at that time frame he wanted them to be there so the first Wrestlemania had Muhammad Ali the main event had Mr. T and Hulk Hogan teaming up to fight Roddy Piper <laughs> like it's the it's the weird looking back on it now it's just so weird but Mr. T was you know the hottest thing back in 1985 so um basically Vince McMahon had put every penny that he had into that as a sink or swim kind of project. So if it failed, there would be no WWF. They'd be bankrupt. And we'd probably be watching Starcade instead of WrestleMania every year because Jim Crockett would have never been purchased by Vince. So, but it was a huge hit and it became a thing that kind of pushed wrestling back into the, or pushed wrestling really into the, the, the public eye. And then, you know, you get people like later on, you get Andre the Giant and Hulk Hogan at WrestleMania 3. Hulk Hogan was undefeated, or uh, Andre the Giant was undefeated for like 15 years. Never been picked up, never been body slammed. And he was Hogan's partner, or Hogan's uh, ally for the longest time. And then this is when they, they fight and pay off. Like it was just, there was a lot of cool like payoffs. Like my, okay, so a big, an example of why you need a crowd for WrestleMania is, the build into WrestleMania three was Hulk Hogan and Andre the giant. That was, that was the main event. It was for Hulk Hogan's WWF title. And the point was that you were having the champion Hulk Hogan wrestle Andre the giant who was undefeated for 15 years. Andre the giant was built as the eighth wonder of the world. This like unstoppable force. Okay. So this match happens with the big payout being that nobody has ever body slammed Hulk Hogan or Andre the giant. Nobody's ever taken Andre off his feet. That was the big thing. And then the very end of the match, you know, you see it coming and he body slams him. Hogan gets Andre off the ground, feet off the ground, slams him down, gives him a leg drop, wins the match. Crowd goes fucking apeshit the second Andre's feet leave the mat. Now, if the crowd wasn't in attendance for that, would it be a significant moment or would it be like watching two guys trying something out that that that's where you need the crowd to to feed that moment to make that moment transcend time and transcend just that event it's it it's unfortunate so it's unfortunate that that's what's happening right now so um so yeah so it was a huge success and then over the course of the last 36 years that's fucking crazy it's been that long over the last last 36 years there's been um celebrity beyond like on top of celebrity on top of celebrity that's been there like i said i rattled off some earlier but like the president of the united states donald trump was in wrestlemania at one point in such a high profile angle that he shaved vince mcmahon's head 
live in the middle of the ring during WrestleMania and just build it like it was nothing. So in about 2001, they started pivoting from uh, arenas. So the, the, the big difference is that arenas can hold about 18. Some major arenas can hold upwards of 20,000 people, but most of them can only hold, you know, you're, you're maxing out around, around 18,000 people. So WrestleMania was coming so big that they started moving into stadiums. So in, uh, from WrestleMania, I believe it was WrestleMania 17. They started doing, uh, like baseball stadiums. They did the Astrodome where it went from 18,000 people the year before to the year they did the stadium. They sold almost 70,000 seats. So the WWE has been known to embellish numbers, but you're not going to embellish an 18,000 all the way up to a 67,000. Like there was a lot of asses in the seats, but for the last, I don't know, say almost 10 years here. So from 2000, I'm looking at it right now. So from 2007 until 2000 and okay. So from 2007 till now, WWE has always crammed in at least 71,000 people into their WrestleMania. 71,000 people are in attendance for that event in that given time frame. So it's uh it's crazy that last year's WrestleMania, WrestleMania 35 in uh MetLife Stadium in Jersey had 82,265 people. Ronda Rousey was the main event. And then this year there's zero people. And WrestleMania is now taking place or this year is taking place over two nights, April 4th and April 5th. And I just don't understand why. Like, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like you have these payoff moments. So another example I can give is that the story of Daniel Bryan, this is a more recent one. So the story of Daniel Bryan is that Daniel Bryan was an independent wrestler who signed with the WWE. And when he came into the WWE, he was just constantly belittled by the fact that he was small. So WrestleMania or WrestleMania WWE has basically been billed as the land of giants is what wrestling wrestlers label that place as they like guys that are big tall you know over six four six five fucking built like a shit brick house like they're just they love giants they love just freaks of nature among men so when this independent wrestling movement picked up a few years ago there was a few guys that came into the WWE. There was CM Punk. There was Daniel Bryan. There was Zack Ryder, who were all independently just insanely successful. But then when they get to the WWE, they're not as successful because they're small guys. And the WWE isn't, doesn't really have any interest in them. So the story with Daniel Bryan specifically was that Daniel Bryan was hired was hired in, and he was on, put on their developmental television show called NXT. This was before NXT became a brand. It was a reality show which paired a veteran wrestler with a, quote, rookie wrestler. And each week, it was basically like a reality show where each week somebody would get eliminated based on the challenges that they would do that week. The best performer would get immunity and go on to the next round, okay, or get, you know, guaranteed for safe for that episode. So various challenges each week. Some weeks it was physical. Some weeks it was promo. Some weeks it was charismatic. Some weeks it was costume. It just, it was different, constantly different. So Daniel Bryan was on there and Daniel Bryan got eliminated because he did like he wasn't charismatic is what they build him as, but he was technically like as far as his like technicality of his wrestling, it was perfect because he's a technician. 
Like his his moves were spot on. His submission holds seemed lethal. Everything about him seemed like this guy could fuck you up if you got on the ground with him. But he just he was small. He didn't ha- he wasn't they didn't they said that he wasn't good on the microphone. He was just, you know, he was just an independent wrestler that that they didn't want, you know, they didn't want him to be on the market. So they bought him. And then what happens is he gets released because what they do is they do this angle where at the end of the season of NXT, all of the rookies that were on the show in quote invaded the actual uh, Monday Night Raw. So they're doing Monday Night Raw and then this NXT group of guys, which is like seven guys, uh, quote, invade the show and they start tearing apart the stage. It's actually, you can look it up on YouTube. It's actually pretty good. Um, Daniel Bryan took one of the commentators neckties and choked him with it, like legitimately choked him with it and they fired him for that. So he comes back a few months later and he's just kind of left in that same shtick, that same just kind of floating around just you know i'm here but no one's really giving me a push type thing whatever whatever well he ends up gaining some steam and he gets in a position where people are starting to notice him he does this thing where he starts addressing the fact that he's getting overlooked by management starts addressing all of this basically becomes like the modern day version of like a stone cold steve austin in the sense that like he was the only person that would stand up to his boss and say fuck you i'm better than what you have me doing and we all know that so it ends up there ends up being this really long specific this really long storyline with daniel bryan and the top decision makers of wwe they called themselves the authority and what it was was it was triple h um his wife stephanie and I think Vince was in on that too. I can't remember, but <coughs> I'm not sick. I just, I'm like, it's allergy season and it's fucking kicking my ass. Um, so what happens is he gets screwed out of every opportunity for the title belt by this authority figure, even though he, ha- he wins legitimately wins three title matches. He never carries the title because he constantly gets screwed out of it. So what happens is there's this big payoff moment where they announced the main event of WrestleMania, WrestleMania 30, and it was going to be Randy Orton, who was the current champion, versus a returning Dave Batista. He returned from filming Guardians of the Galaxy, and they were going to capitalize on that. They were going to have a movie star be in the main event of WrestleMania. The crowd felt like it should have been Daniel Bryan in the main event. So when Dave Batista returns after like a six-year hiatus... The crowd fucking treats him like he's fucking warm milk. There's, you know, spoiled milk, I should say. They're booing him. They can't stand the fact that he's back, that he's robbing a spot that Daniel Bryan should have had. So, but Daniel Bryan's tied into this feud with Triple H. So, they, you know, they're keen on giving you that. They're keen on making Daniel Bryan versus Triple H happen. So, the compromise is that on WrestleMania night, Daniel Bryan will have two matches. He will wrestle Triple H, and if he wins that match, the winner of that match, so if he won or if Triple H won, the winner of that match would then go on to join the main event, and the main event would be a triple threat. So it'll be Daniel, or it'll be Batista and Randy Orton and either Triple H or Daniel Bryan for the um, WWE title. So Daniel Bryan's big feud had been with Triple H because Triple H is the one that kind of fucked him out of everything. Then that great match, Daniel Bryan ends up winning, so he goes to the main event, and in the main event, 
there's a moment where it looks like Daniel Bryan's just taken out of commission. Like it looks like he's legitimately hurt. Um, and it, the reason it does that because there's a bit where Batista and Randy Orton are looking at the paramedics as if like, do you want us to keep fighting or what do you want us to do? So it felt genuine at one point. So they, those two keep wrestling and then Daniel Bryan's getting quote taken away in the, in the end or getting checked on by professional medical professionals. And then out of nowhere, Daniel Bryan pops up and he runs back into the ring and he, you know, gets the big pop from the crowd and everyone goes crazy. But he ends up applying his submission finisher to Batista and makes Batista tap out and he wins the title and the whole crowd, the whole crowd just goes fucking crazy and confetti. It made the cover of USA today the next morning. Like that's what a big moment that was. But if that had happened in front of nobody, which is like, it's unfortunate, but I feel like that's happening to people that are in this event. There's a guy named Drew McIntyre who is in the main event tomorrow night or tonight on April 5th. He's on the main event against Brock Lesnar for the WWE title. And he's going to get robbed of his moment because there's not going to be anybody there to have. He's not going to have that electric feeling after, you know, if, if, if he conquers Brock Lesnar and if he gets the title, Drew McIntyre is a guy who similar pattern was Vince McMahon was such a big fan of Drew McIntyre like 10 years ago. 10, 12 years ago, he went on, Drew McIntyre was a young 20-year-old kid, brings him out in front of you know, WWE Universe or whatever. Vince brings him out in front of the crowd and he says, this guy will be a world champion one day. He's the chosen one. And since Vince said that, everybody fucking shit on him. And they could not stand the guy because Vince had labeled him the chosen one. When Vince labels you the chosen one, everybody knows that you're going to win your matches, that you're not going to be in a position to look bad, that you're going to get taken care of. And why would we root for you when we know that you're just basically his pet project? And that was the mentality that everybody had. So a few years of him kind of just floundering around the mid card, WWE releases him. So then Drew McIntyre goes to the independent circuit in uh, Europe and he reinvents himself and becomes just a fucking savage and grows his beard out, grows his hair out. He just he's he is so fucking grisly with his wrestling. Like he looked, like would do these massive headbutts that were so fucking loud that like I, they hurt me hearing them happen. So uh, he reinvents himself and he signs with what culture pro wrestling WCPW, and he wins their world title, and then. Uh, he quit. He drops it very quickly, like a week later. Or I think he vacates it, and then the next after, like the next day after he vacates the title, he's shown in the crowd at NXT, <coughs> which is WWE's way of telling you that hey, we've signed this person. When they just show up in the crowd and the the camera's right in their face, like oh my god, it's Drew McIntyre. Um, but he was going by Drew Galloway when he was on the independent circuit, because that's his real name. So, but anyway, so drew McIntyre, he comes back to NXT, he comes back to the WWE and they put him in the developmental league NXT and he's just running wild on NXT every, because NXT is a lot more of an independent product than the mainstream WWE. A lot of independent fans really like uh, NXT because of the loyalty that it keeps to these characters. 
WWE historically has been known for if you're popular as Drew McIntyre on the independent circuit, or how about this? You're popular as Drew Galloway on the independent circuit. Everybody knows you as Drew Galloway. Well, here in WWE, we're not going to call you Drew Galloway. We're going to call you Drew McIntyre. It's like, why? Well, because we own that name and this you're you're going to be Drew McIntyre while you're here. So that's that's what they do is they like to reinvent things. NXT has been great because NXT hasn't done that. The reason that Drew McIntyre became Drew McIntyre again after Drew Galloway is because WWE already owned that character. But a lot of guys will be successful in the independent scene and then they'll come to NXT and they'll be that exact same character, which is great. And it has a lot of loyalty with fans and everybody really appreciates just the wrestling aspect of NXT. So he goes to NXT, wins the uh, NXT world title. And then he tears, I think he tears a muscle in his arm. I don't remember exactly what happened. I think he tore his bicep or something and had to vacate the title. He was out for like six months. When he returns, he's on the main roster. And then he kind of has been floating around in purgatory again because it's like WWE didn't, they didn't want to use him because they weren't like, they didn't want to put him into a program where he was going to lose because they were grooming him to be the next world champion but they didn't wrap up the storylines they had told with their current champions. So they kind of, he was kind of just floating around this mid card, beating mid card talent, not really doing anything for himself. Kind of just like, okay, like what now? So then a few months ago at the Royal rumble, they finally pull the trigger on him and he wins the Royal rumble. The Royal rumble is the big event where it's 30 superstars all in the ring, throw each other over the top rope. Whoever last, whoever's the last man in the ring, wins a shot at the world title in the main event at WrestleMania. So Drew McIntyre is getting that shot right now. And this will be the payoff of everything that he's worked for the last 10 to 12 years, everything he's done since the moment he was claimed the chosen one and then being resented for it. This is the story of him winning back the crowd, winning back the momentum, getting to that position and finally conquering Brock Lesnar and getting the world title. And he's got to do that in front of nobody. So I don't know. I just, I think there's just certain things that just need to be postponed right now. It's not like we don't have entertainment. Like WWE is acting like they're the only form of entertainment in these people's lives. When like you could just say, hey, look, guys, we're going to take two months off because everybody is worried about the coronavirus and you're worried about your your talent. You don't want your guys getting sick. You don't want the, like the rule is to stay six feet apart from each other. And you have these guys literally hugging each other. It's like it's just not it, it's not the safest environment. Just, you know, bite the bullet, say, hey, look, guys, we'll reconvene in June or in July. And the next time you see us, it will be WrestleMania. And then just go dark for a month or two. And then when you come back, everyone's going to be so hungry for the product. You tease some stuff online. And then when they come, when you come back, it'll be to sell out a stadium for your biggest event of the year as a welcome back and payoff. But like a concert, imagine if you did a concert, if you went to a concert, like if you were performing at a concert and there was nobody there, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on here? Is this serious? Like, did, did we, did we open the gates? It's just weird, man. I don't know. Anyway, that's all I got. So bear with me going forward. There might be some lapses on our schedule, but. We'll do our best to give you guys product as much as we can, as frequently as we can. We'll try our best to keep it, you know, keep it going as normal. But, 
you know, shit happens. So, all right, guys. Thanks.